0: This is How to Hyperbaric Podcast and I'm Dr. Masha. Today's conversation will focus on how to combine hyperbaric therapy with supplements and nutrient IVs. There is a controversy surrounding supplementation combined with hyperbaric therapy. Some practitioners say that yes, in fact, it's beneficial. Others say that you shouldn't be combining hyperbarics, at least with some of the supplements. Also, timing is important. When do you supplement? Before hyperbaric session or after hyperbaric session? So this is what we're going to discuss today with Dr. Paul Anderson. He's a naturopathic doctor. He's a mentor, to many naturopathic doctors, functional medicine practitioners, integrative medicine practitioners. He's an integrative medicine educator, and he's a go-to person uh, for supplements, IVs. He knows everything about it. Welcome to the show, Paul. And uh, today we're gonna talk about supplements, IV therapy, and of course, hyperbaric oxygen therapy. So we're gonna start with IVs. And IV therapy is being offered at many clinics right now, I guess all integrated clinics in some way or another offer IV therapy. they might also offer hyperbaric oxygen therapy and these two could be combined in a way that they have synergistic effects so they potentiate the effects of one another but you need to know how to combine them. so that's my first question. How do you combine these two? That's
1: yeah, so, it well, first thank you for having me on always always fun to talk um. And uh, yeah, I think um, I think the percentage of integrative cl- clinics that do some sort of IV therapy is very high. I don't know, it's hundred percent, but it's pretty high. And the percentage of integrative clinics that are doing more hyperbaric work is is growing all the time, as we know. So I think we see the these two coming together. In our clinic, uh, where we've done hyperbaric for over ten years, and we've done IV therapy for 30 years, um, we've been using them together for a, a long, long time. And because I have the privilege sometimes of teaching doctors and uh, other integrative care folks about IV therapy, we more commonly will include a little sort of module on, well, what if I'm doing hyperbaric and then an IV therapy? Um, is there an optimum way to say, you know, combine to get synergy? And so I think that the best, um, the best way to describe it, because there's kind of when you get to IV therapy, because unlike taking a pill, the IV, the nutrients are immediately inside your bloodstream. So, you know, it's, it's a hundred percent absorption. It's right inside your bloodstream. And so you have more in a sense control over the dose but also you have control over when is when is that material going to be percolating through my body you know and going to my brain and my liver and everywhere else so iv is is nice in that sense so the way that we do it and and I'll explain why there's sort of two pathways the outcome that we want the hyperbaric to synergize or the outcome that we're adding the hyperbaric to try and gain is what dictates which direction we go with combining an IV therapy with hyperbaric. The hyperbaric may be the same on, on each direction. And that's one of the really nice things about hyperbaric is it can synergize uh, in a particular direction for a type of condition. And it can synergize in a different direction for different, for other types of condition. And the problems that not problems, but the, the, Confusion that comes up a lot of times is often you'll get a clinic that maybe has done IVs for a long time and then they get, you know, they start doing hyperbaric. Or they, they have a hyperbaric uh clinic move in next door and they're sharing patients, but neither one has managed the the two together, right? So to make it as as straightforward as possible, I'll kind of tell this through the eyes of two different patient types. So The first question, though, and this this has to do with a a large number of things, but mostly chemistry and comfort for the patient. The first question that the practitioners and usually the patients want to know about is, do I have to, um, say, get the IV and then get right in the chamber? Okay. Or do I have to have the IV inside the chamber? Or can I do my dive my hbot dive and then have the iv after now chemically speaking um it it almost doesn't matter as long as you're you know like in our clinic they're in the same space so of course they're very close uh if you're going to drive you know just across town and it's half hour something like that that's close enough also so if you're within a proximity of time between the IV and the hyperbaric, it really doesn't matter that much whether you do it before or after. We have experimented early on with IVs in the hyperbaric chamber. There are reasons, there's nothing wrong with doing that, but it's difficult. And there's no compelling reason to go through the difficulty of doing that because it doesn't improve the outcome really to do it. we In the beginning, we thought we might have to do so what we tell patients is because there's not a big difference of doing the IV before your dive or after your dive, and because of your bladder <laughs> and you being stuck inside of a hyperbaric chamber, <laughs> um, what we prefer to do is we'll get you in the chamber, we'll do whatever protocol we're gonna do with the chamber. And as soon as you get out, you can go to the restroom, empty your bladder, we hook you up to the IV. And I guarantee that during the IV, you're gonna probably need to go to the bathroom once or twice more, right? So un- unless somebody wants to make sure that they have urinals in the chamber and all of that stuff, it is unwise to do the IV before you get in the chamber. Now, I and I would not be so maybe dogmatic about this uh, if I didn't if I didn't practice this and do this for so long, but I've heard people theoretically say that, well, you, you, with certain therapies, you're you're better, you know, it's it's way better if the IV goes in first, and then you put them in and, and send them in with a, a urinal or whatever, if you want to do that. It, 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 there's an issue, though, of, you know, what if the urinal doesn't work or other, other things, right? It's not that it is a theoretical difference. There is not that much difference pre and post. Okay. And so when I do my next step and I tell you the two different patient directions that we use this with, uh, I can tell you definitely from patient outcomes that we see uh, just as good outcomes, whether we do the IV before or after, but the patients are much more comfortable. So it's H bot dive first, then IV. So that's the first thing. And that's just a lot kinder to people because then they have access to the bathroom. But the two directions that you go with nutri- nutrients, uh, uh, IV, or or similar would be if I have an injury that I am trying to help someone heal from, so they just got in a car crash, they've got a TBI, uh, they just had surgery, We uh, we were across the road from a really big oral surgery center, and every now and then things are so complicated, they'll, you know, transect a nerve, you know, in surgery. And these, uh, the surgeons got on the idea of doing a hyperbaric. And so they would send their patients over and they had these amazing recovery, you know, with, with the hyperbaric. And so we talked to the surgeons and said, Hey, it, what we are finding with injuries is the hyperbaric's awesome. If we give some healing oriented nutrition intravenously, uh, it's even faster and better. Could and you so give an
0: example, just uh, that's that's really interesting. I, I didn't even say anything because I was all ears listening. But could you give an example of that healing IV that you're referring to? Um
1: yeah I'm 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 working up to that because the the IV is the different uh the different variable between what you're trying to do. So The other direction, though, before, just so you know what we're contrasting, is let's say I'm not trying to heal an injury, okay, or, you know, surgical damage, something like that, but I'm treating something like cancer or a uh, very aggressive infection or maybe even just a very aggressive acute infection, okay? That IV is going to be completely different and chemically completely different than the one on the injury side. Okay, So on the injury side, what we want them to do is to get the the, the hyperbaric benefit uh, of, of high oxygenation and plasma saturation, all of the good things the hyperbaric does. And then what we want to do is to put um, a um, mixed uh, vitamin and mineral nutrient IV in, Most of the vitamin minerals are going to have two purposes, though. They're, number one, they're going to be used in the process of tissue healing, okay, because our body obviously uses nutrients to remake ourselves when we hurt ourselves. So that's a big part. But the other part is they're going to either get two IVs or three IVs in an injury situation, okay? So the first one's going to be the nutrients that are going to help with rebuilding and repair. Also, though... It, as it would happen, your body also uses those same nutrients to support a really important um, antioxidant called glutathione that we use inside the body. So the next, which is a shorter IV, is glutathione you get after those nutrients. And what we found long, long, long time ago when I was doing uh, cancer research and people would get burns from radiation for cancer is if we did that type of a combo therapy because glutathione uses lots of nutrients just to keep cycling so it can help you heal. Um, It was way better than just giving glutathione, right? So they get the benefit of the nutrient bag first, which is, and I won't get too specific, but, but the B vitamins are in there, a small amount of vitamin C, and we'll talk about vitamin C in a minute. Um, there's going to be uh, all of the expected minerals in there that are cofactors for healing, et cetera. And generally, that's it. There might be a few amino acids too for the healing process. Then after that, they would get the glutathione. Now, in a more complicated case, or uh, as uh, one one of the cases actually presented at uh, a an, a big hyperbaric conference, trying to show hyperbaric doctors that they could use this synergy. Um, and most of them hadn't thought of this, Uh, we did a case with a a patient that had a very bad motor vehicle crash and a traumatic brain injury. And um, so they were doing uh, an acute uh, TBI protocol at our clinic for the hyperbaric. They would get out, they would get the, the nutrient bag, like I said, glutathione. And then as a third IV, they would also get phospholipids now, in different comp- countries, they're called different things. But phosphatidylcholine is a um, it, it, it's it's a complex molecule called a phospholipid because there's a phosphate head and uh, some fat. Your brain has a ton of that in there. Your nerves do too. So, in a brain injury, we often would put that as a, as a third support. Okay, but what we showed in this uh, this young man, uh, and we used a standardized TBI assessment tool um was that uh in in looking at his tbi assessment his scores and he he did the scores every time he came in okay we were able to progress this young fellow who had a very i mean he had all the he had lost lots of his memory uh he couldn't handle any extraneous light or noise i mean all the kind of things a pretty bad tbi um and uh so, so his symptoms went down at a rate that was about four times faster than you would see just with hyperbaric alone. So the fact that we were able to synergize the hyperbaric benefit with a bad TBI, now it was real, I mean it was horrible that the man had the car accident, but it was great for research purposes that we could get him in the, you know, to an acute protocol, it was wonderful to see that that by doing this and then adding this nutrient protocol after, we could speed up his healing you know so i mean he still needed you know a fair amount of treatment but the the speed at which his uh his scores improved for you know memory and pain and you know, all the things was four times faster than just with h bottle alone and h bottle alone is amazing so that's one direction and so i would do that for you know motor vehicle accident healing from surgery uh we we did this actually a lot with um I don't know who the first one was, but then it sort of caught on. Uh, women would do it uh, after hysterectomies because it's a lot of healing and they're busy and they're a mom and they want to heal as fast as they can. We did a lot of post hysterectomy, but really any surgery. Um, as I said, oral surgeons, uh, they they loved it because, uh, you know, they they want their patients to heal as quickly as possible if they have to cut a nerve, uh, um, et cetera. You know, so you kind of get the idea there, but the, the 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 H bot kind of the same. It's you know doesn't change for either direction. The nutrients on the injury side are all aimed at support the natural processes that let me heal anyway. My body uses natural things to heal. Support a primary antioxidant uh, cycler that we have called glutathione. Which glutathione as soon as you put it into person sucks up a whole bunch of other nutrients just to operate. So it's really good for us, but it also can actually deplete you of other nutrients. So those nutrients we put in the first bag help me heal at the cell level. They also help the glutathione work. And then in a real, you know, a bad neurological case, we might do some phospholids too. Um, and all of those then are going to swim in the same direction, chemically speaking, uh, for healing, right? So then, If the other direction still has hyperbaric, what would we do different if if a person has acute infection or cancer or, you know, something in the immunological world? That's, the again, the difference is not the hyperbaric, really. It's going to be what you would do with IV. Um, Now, there are times where there's exceptions to what I'm going to say, but generally speaking, for treatment in cancer uh, milieu, Uh, acute infections, or even our chronic infectious patients. You get a chronic Lyme patient or someone has Epstein-Barr that reactivates. So it doesn't have to be acute infection, but we did a lot of that. In those cases, what you want your immune system to do is, again, take advantage of the hyperoxygenation that you just put inside of the person. And what I would explain to people, although I know it's a simplification, but that sometimes works the best explaining things to folks is hyperbaric is really interesting, and it's such a cool tool to use because it sort of has this kind of sine wave effect in your body. And so the upswing of the sine is more of an oxidation that your body goes through because we fill you with oxygen. And then that naturally, even if you just do the hyperbaric, that naturally turns your body on to say, whoa, I just got all this oxidation going on, upswing. Now, I'm going to have this downswing and I'm going to pump out a bunch of natural antioxidant okay, to, to balance. In the case of a cancer or infection, et cetera, we want to extend the life of the acute upswing, the oxidative part. So we put them in the chamber. Again, no difference there. But when they get out, they would have an IV that would support uh, oxidation, an oxidative therapeutic IV. That's a spectrum. But the most common ones people know about are high dose vitamins. So remember, we said in the in the healing one we put a little bit of vitamin C. That means, say, two thousand milligrams, three thousand. That's low dose. High dose might be fifty thousand milligrams, fifty grams, seventy five grams, hundred big. High dose vitamin C is one. Um, ozone is another one. Uh, and then there, depending on what part of the world you're in, um, there's a lot of oncology clinics that will uh, combine. Uh, a plant medicine called uh, artesanate or artemisinin and then high dose vitamin c because they synergize one another so they might do that too but the purpose of that is to take the upswing which is oxidative and and make it plateau for a longer amount of time before it dips back down which of course eventually we want it to dip down because you can't oxidize somebody forever and ever but it's, it's taking the oxidative benefit of the hyperbaric and making it last long. And we do definitely see synergy with the other oxidative, say, IV therapies and hyperbaric. Uh, and in, in my opinion, they work better in a cancer setting for that purpose. Now, I did say there's exceptions. If the reason you're getting it is because you are treating a side effect, like radiation burns or some side effect of cancer. That's a different issue. But most of our patients are, are trying to do integrative things to help their body fight with the cancer, help their immune system be as anti-cancer as possible. And there are times where this oxidative extension is really useful uh, in can- cancer and also infections. Those are the two big ones.
0: Excellent. This is art it's science, but I think it's more art of medicine, even than science. And what happens, Um, I thought about fibromyalgia, because in fibromyalgia, they already have such a high level of oxidative stress that sometimes hyperbaric therapy is just too much uh, for them to take. How do we support these patients with an IV therapy?
1: Yeah. So, that's a a really, really good question, because it now now that we know the two directions, we can kind of go, um it it underscores what I think a lot of like uh, the more experienced doctors with, say, fibromyalgia patients or chronic Lyme disease, other things like that, who would refer for uh, hyperbaric? most of them did it and and of course, now more people are getting chambers. but back then most people didn't do it. But they would say, "Well, we always tell these people, you know, give it, th- give it three dives, three hyperbaric treatments before you judge, because sometimes the first one might aggravate you a little bit, you know, and that's because if you get someone with chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, sometimes long COVID is this way, uh, some of your autoimmune patients can have this happen." Um, you know, the whole collection of people that, that are under oxidative stress, toxic people too, right? So what we found was that, so th- this is going back like, let's say 10 years ago, the the three dive rule was nice because they'd, they'd say, oh, wow, you know, that first one, not, not so bad. Second one, maybe we went a little longer and made this. Yeah, I felt a little achy the next day, or some, some you know, symptom. Sometimes the third one, it was more of the same. Sometimes the third one, it was like I actually felt better. So they kept going. What we sort of worked on as a next step was until we understood what their body was asking, and everybody you can have one diagnosis and you know, 10 people with the same diagnosis and their body loss for 10 different things. <laughs> uh, so it could be an autoimmune patient, it could be fibromyalgia, whatever. Um, and a lot of it depends on what else they're doing you know, with, their, with their care. So what we started to do with those folks um, is we assumed they were probably dealing with too high of an oxidative load, whether that was from toxicity or infection or whatever and so we would treat them more like the first thing i described which is the injury model a patient who's had no support we're going to treat them like they're really oxidized already and and just be real nice to their body you know and then and then they'll get to the point where they might you know level out and then it's time to take on the chronic infections or whatever and they're ready for you know the other pathway um so and, and in autoimmunity, it's a similar sort of a mix. Um, the 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 autoimmune body, the the immune system in the autoimmune body is um, it's lost some or a lot of its modulating ability. Still, you still have an immune system. It's just it's either overreacting in one place or underreacting in another. And so again, if there's if there's nothing being done to treat that to help your body get back in balance, and you just put them in, you know, you put them in an oxidative environment, sometimes it's too much right away. And so they'd be like the first group of fibromyalgia patients as I talked about. Uh, but then sometimes when you've worked on the other things and all that, as you know, you and I know, and we talked about I think once before, uh, you can have some chronic infectious things that can definitely drive autoimmunity if you're if you got that balance going on then it's it's time to try the the oxidative pathway um so so again it's there is a lot i mean uh, all good medicine is art right (laughs) uh and so there's a there's a clinical art to sort of deciding which direction you go uh but the way i try and describe it to doctors but but especially with patients is there are times when your body just needs us to be as kind as possible. So we've got a a real powerful therapy in hyperbaric and we can synergize it and make it more comfortable for you by doing this one pathway. You know, let's not, let's do that. You know, let's be kind to you. But if we already have done all this work and your body is in better shape and tougher, but we've got some big, you know, hills to climb like a chronic infection, other thing, then let's extend that oxidative, you know, burst. Let your body really participate in that immunologically, and we push it that way. And I always tell people, look, your, bo- your body is uh, the only thing that knows the answer to these questions, so we won't know till we do it, and if it really didn't work out well to go one direction, we'll try the other direction, and that's probably what your body's asking.
0: So to summarize, it doesn't really, not that it doesn't matter, but it doesn't make that much of a difference whether you do it before a hyperbaric treatment or after a hyperbaric treatment, as long as it's done within half an hour, an hour of another yeah. treatment and doing it after, it's way more comfortable for the patient. It's
1: way more comfortable. And th- there's actually calculations depending on, um, uh, you know, uh, how long your dive was and pressure and everything you you have because we we get this question from people maybe in more rural areas and it's like well um you know i i've got hyperbaric here and then i've got a 45 minute drive you know to get over to get my iv which is closer to my house um we generally will tell people that they've got a window of about an hour and a half or so the real window is longer uh, but when at an hour and a half, you're getting a diminishing return. Now a- another issue is if it's if it's that far apart, then the order that they go in doesn't matter as much because you're you're not running the hyperbaric right into the IV, you know. So then you almost can take the closest one first or last, you know. But if it's within uh, you know 45 minutes, certainly, but 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 up to an hour and a half. If you live rural and you have to hit the uh, IV on the way home, you still get benefit. Yeah. Uh,
0: but what really matters it's what's in that IV. Yeah. Yeah, and the
1: nutrients that are there are 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 critical.
0: Because we, here we want to exercise the art of doing medicine, and also it's a, um, a personalized prescription, really which can change even for that same patient, depending on what goals we're trying to, which goals we set with this patient at the moment. As you've described um, for the same fibromyalgia patient, we can go either route depending on what we're trying to achieve and whether the body can support that. And sometimes we don't know until we tried. We can right. hypothesize that, well, maybe you're strong enough Um, So let's add to that oxidative uh, sort of treatment, but we never know. And I know so well what you're describing because I've seen it not only with hyperbarics, but also in traditional Chinese medicine with herbs, for example, we can create a lot of oxidative stress. And especially when we're treating an infectious disease and whether a body can take it or not, that's another story. And how do we support this body? So this particular person, so they can maybe still take that treatment. I had a right. question, Now You've mentioned that glutathione uh, needs a lot of cofactors in order to be recycled and re uh, sort of made inside the body. So we know that hyperbaric therapy stimulates internal glutathione production. So what if we routinely sort of give if a person is already getting an IV, we're going to get that IV with minerals and vitamins and cofactors for glutathione to increase that effect of internal glutathione production in Hbot. Would it work? Something like that?
1: Yeah, it it, it would still um, it would still be beneficial to do that first bag that has the nutrients, the cofactors. Because yes, your 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 body under the initial oxidative surge is remember, you know, because the downswing is antioxidant surge, your body says, Oh, more oxygen, we must need more glutathione, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it'll be even better um whether you got the glutathione just from the H bot dive or the HBOT dive plus a little glutathione after your IV. The idea is, especially with intravenous glutathione, um, it can go in and it will cycle as an antioxidant. And if you run out of cofactors, it's done. And it actually can become uh, a prooxidant. And that's why we, when we started to look at people, especially with you know injuries and damage and things, we we wanted to keep cycling around. Your body naturally will do that, but these cofactor nutrients. Um, which include common things that we all know about, such as zinc and selenium, some trace minerals. Uh, Vitamin C is very uh, needed. Vitamin B5, B3, and B2 are all needed. Um, And uh, there's a couple others in there too. Um, So we, we generally have all that there. And so even if you stop there, and let's say the clinic ran out of glutathione that day, you're still going to get the boost from the hyperbaric anyway. It's just for people, especially with the acute injuries, you know, right after surgery uh, or acute head trauma, it really seemed to, to even be better to add a little extra glutathione.
0: Got it. Got it. Thank you. That's the nitty-gritty of it. I I, I like and this little nuances because it really what makes up that, the difference.
1: I think you bring up an excellent point on the other pathway, too, because... Um, someone now might be thinking, well, wait a minute, if I have cancer or I have a, a viral infection or some other reason why I want to do oxidative treatment, uh, isn't that bad if, if the hyperbaric makes my you know glutathione levels rise? The the short answer is no, but here's why we do it the way we do it. In the cancer or viral infected person, remember we, we want to keep the upswing high longer, and we do that by giving ozone, vitamin C, high dose, et cetera, what aren't they getting in that? They're not getting the cofactors to start cycling it until we go into the downswing and the body makes it themselves. So it's uh, it's still getting the benefit, uh, but that's why you don't do those nutrients on one side of the ledger and you do add them on the other side of the ledger.
0: Interesting. You know, that's really interesting. Uh, I can talk about it for hours. So that brings me really to the next question. Those are IV. And as you mentioned, IV are in a, are done in a controlled setting in a way that practitioner has to do an IV. It's very difficult for the person to do IV themselves. They know exactly what is in that bag. Um, it's controlled uh, and also there is a direct absorption. So we're not going through the gut, we're bypassing that. So there's a hundred percent absorption really. But there is also another form of supplementing, which taking supplements orally in, in a capsule form or a liquid form or whatever form. And uh, as we talked a little bit about before recording this podcast, this is the most self-prescribed therapy out there is uh, supplementing with all kinds of things and many times people self prescribe or they were prescribed by a practitioner um some patients come in with a list like never ending lists i just had um i just had a patient a 12 year old boy uh, on autistic spectrum and his mom brought a list of the supplements that were prescribed by three other different practitioners, it literally took me five hours to get through the list. It was Mm. such a long list. And here we're getting into polypharmacy. Um, Doesn't matter that those are not um, uh, medications. Those are not pharmaceuticals. Maybe they're nutraceuticals, but there's still a lot of them. So people supplement, um, problems there that the, um, the industry is not regulated. We don't know exactly what's in a capsule form, especially if it's, um, over-the-counter supplement. Um, people take those long lists or many capsules before, after hyperbaric treatments. What do we do there? Like, how yeah. do we sort of make sense out
1: yeah. of it? Yeah, it's, a, 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 a excellent follow-on and, um, I, I think we were talking about this before we started re- recording. Another factor in this is a lot of times just because they don't think of it as something that could medically affect them, a lot of people just uh, forget to tell their practitioner, say maybe doing the hyperbaric or doing all other stuff, that they're also taking all the, you know all these other things, right? So at least when they bring the list in, or, you know, or they, they bring the bag in full of bottles or whatever, you, you know what they're taking. Uh, but if you don't ask people, a lot of times they might be taking, you know, who knows what, because, it, you know, the internet is good and bad. And one of the things is if you have X problem, you can look up and you'll, you'll get a hundred different things that are supposed to be good for X problem. And you might buy 20 of them, you know, and, just like we, you know, the discussion about, you know, the IV is a little easier chemically to think of because it's going right in the body. It's the same sort of uh, art, really, and calculation if uh, you're taking the things orally. It's just that now we have something that really your healthcare provider needs to look at. And, uh, you know, unless unless the patient's a pharmacist, they're probably not going to be able to figure this out. Um, so the healthcare provider needs to look at, oh gosh, well if I take by mouth, um, you know, CoQ10 or vitamin C or my uh, Chinese medicine formula or whatever, roughly how long does that take to get inside of me? It's not going to be like the IV where it gets right in, right? And um, so because you brought it up earlier and it's an easy uh, example, let's say for uh example, it is a Chinese medicine formula of the type in the infectious world where it is very ox- pro-oxidative, right? Um, we may want that, and we may want that to synergize on the oxidative side of killing some bugs with hyperbaric, uh, but we, we may not want to do that. Uh, I mean, some patients, you might do it every day, and some patients, you may pulse it. You know, there, there are Western herbs we do this with as well. And so we will have people preferentially take oxidant-type stimulating herbs, uh, if they cancer, infections, et cetera. Um, and we will have them do it. You know, we'll look at the average absorption time and we might have them do it the night before and then the morning of their HBOT dive because we know that's kind of when it's going to be maximally in their system. Uh, and then, if let's say for the example, they're in a very weakened state and uh, that's too much because you know we hear, and I'm I'm sure in one of your other episodes, you've talked about o- the potential for oxygen toxicity, right? Well, if you take someone who's very weak or they've just had a big trauma, the surgery, some chemotherapies, things like that. And you do this H dive, and then you make the upswing longer with an oxidative treatment, like a high IV vitamin C high dose or uh, or oxidative Chinese herbs or whatever. You can uh you can reach the edge of oxygen toxicity by doing that because the, it's not because the therapies were necessarily bad, it's that their body can't respond. They're too weak. So imagine if, and this is actually uh You know one of the reasons i've added modules to our classes about iv and and a hyperbaric is because i get this call from people and they're like oh no this happened you know and it it was because they did the iv and then the neighbor did the hbot and they weren't talking to each other you know and it turned out it was someone who was way too weak to be given a oxidative treatment right after their hbot so um it's not like this doesn't happen. Well, then imagine if, you know, through, and, and it, you know, most people that don't tell you they're not taking things usually just because they think, Oh, well everyone takes supplements or something, but, you know, let's say you don't know they're seeing um, a Chinese medicine practitioner and they have them on a couple of formulas, both of which tend to push oxidation. And then you just go right on in and you do your hyperbaric and you're wondering why they seem maybe a little oxygen toxic or something. It's, it's it's so important people know that uh we need to know what they're taking and that way we can then do a good job of saying okay f- roughly speaking these things are going to absorb in this time period orally if we want them to be part of your hbot then we're definitely going to sequence them around that if we don't want them near your hbot we're going to we're going to have you take a break you know in in that time period uh it's just a little bit it's it's a little more um you know oral absorption is not as clear and as quick as iv absorption so you just have to factor that in
0: and taking antioxidants might not uh solve the problem right right away so it probably right. need to give them more binders and things like that uh
1: depending on what's wrong yeah it you know because obviously hyperbaric on its own um if you have someone with a complex chronic illness which most chronic illness is uh the hypermeric may stimulate the liver dumping a whole lot of you know stored up toxin and some of that goes out through your bile and if there's no binders around it just goes right back in your blood and makes you even sicker you know so yeah so it's it goes back to that you know practicing medicine is an art and part of it is yes you might feel very bad but maybe more antioxidant isn't the reason you you're feeling bad it's because you just recirculated a whole bunch of toxin in your body you know so so the answer a different answer to the same question
0: so uh, take home message for practitioners uh, always ask their patient your patient what they've taken because you might be surprised yeah Uh, and uh, as i mentioned to you with hyperbaric oxygen therapy one of the downsides is that we don't talk to patient as much because patient is inside a hyperbaric chamber, uh, right? And we want them to relax there so we're not actually standing beside a hyperbaric right. chamber and asking them questions. So always ask them. Maybe like a routine question, uh, please list uh, supplements that you've taken uh, today before this hyperbaric session or something like that to have an idea what you can expect given the... um the case of a patient what are they coming with to start with now that's for a practitioner that's a little easier because practitioners generally understand how these things react um what are the interactions between the supplements different supplements and hyperbarics and things like that but what about a person who is using a hyperbaric chamber at home um, um what, what would be your advice then
1: yeah um well, the first thing is, and I think this would be across the board, um, as as we've said, tell your practitioner what you're taking from any source, <laughs> okay? Uh, and also tell them who's making it, you know, where, where are they sourcing it? Because as you and I know, but a lot of the general public doesn't realize, there are some producers of supplements that submit themselves to a lot of quality control And then there's others that don't and now that we have online ordering um unless you're ordering from the company itself you can also have a fake product right which is is a whole new issue um of same label and it comes not from the company who makes it and it's not and it's not what it says in the bottle so so this is why we need to know as practitioners what you're taking number one uh number two Is if you, in my personal opinion, and I, I, I'm sure you're going to agree with this, um, if you're going to spend the money to get anything, whether you know whether it's a Chinese herbal formula or something you know straightforward like Coenzyme Q10 or Vitamin C, something, it is well worth getting it from a company that that like someone like us has checked out and make sure they're they're doing quality control. What's on the label matches what's in the pill or the bottle, et cetera, and 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 I know some consumers are very sensitive to this, but a lot of people just buy the cheapest version because it's like, well, uh, coq10. There's there's ten of them offered here. I'm going to pick the cheapest one, right? Well, sometimes the cheapest one is the cheapest because it doesn't have much coq10 in it, you know, and 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 the company didn't submit itself to any testing. So I really think that's another reason to have a conversation is just say, you know, um, and a lot of us nowadays, because the world has changed so much, you know, a lot of us used to carry out like a lot of supplements in the office so you could see them. Nowadays, we do a lot of virtual and we do a lot of other stuff. Or as you said, people might be at home. Uh, just ask, at least ask your healthcare provider, who are the companies you trust and and at least get them from those companies. So. Now leading to the person at home, um, the first thing I think with with at home is you you can either inadvertently or advertently put your body on those two pathways we talked about, uh, which we said could either go with IV or oral. If you're doing it at home, then of course it depends. Why are you doing you know home care? Uh, so it might be a neurological reason. Uh, you know, something in maybe the neurodivergent spectrum, it might be an injury reason, uh, it might be cancer, it might be, you know, any number of reasons why you're doing it at home. I really think that because, you know, as we've talked through this, um, you know, I've tried to make it sound as simple as possible, these two pathways, but there is this art to it. I think even if you're doing these things at home, uh, so you're doing the hyperbaric at home, and you're taking supplements i think it's worth having a meeting with a practitioner that understands the obviously they'll understand supplements but also hyperbaric and saying are there some of these supplements i should probably pause uh, you know the day or i do my you know hyperbaric or the day after or anything like that or are, are there or or i've started getting these symptoms when i'm doing my home hyperbaric Uh, and then I'm taking these supplements. Is there a relation between these symptoms? I'm getting that. And that's where, um, you can't make blanket statements because that could be any number of things, but, but really talking to a practitioner that understands what hyperbaric does. And then they can look at the nutrition or the herbs, et cetera, and say, you know, it could be that at your state, uh, you know, you're just recovering from something. This is too much for you. Uh. And you should do the hyperbaric into things, or, you know, or you should add this in, like we talked about binders. People aren't doing that; they don't realize how much detox we trigger with hyperbaric. So I think that's the way I would look at home, uh, home use is you want, you know, it's it's a lot like any other thing you do at home that has a health outlet, you know, like a sauna, for example. A lot of people do sauna. A lot of people do great with sauna. With no advice. A lot of people, you know, get sick from being this on at home because they don't realize there's things they need, you know, uh, th- that they need to modulate.
0: Excellent. Uh, I really want to ask you that question. Um, but are there maybe three supplements that would be safe to take with hyperbaric therapy no matter what? Uh, I'm thinking omega-3s maybe, or if a person is supplementing with vitamin D because they're deficient in vitamin d
1: yeah the so um generally speaking um things that are going to support your uh your cell health and are not really going to directly manipulate oxidation versus antioxidant they may they may play a role but they're not like directly manipulating it uh, a fat-soluble vitamin you may be deficient in. You might be on vitamin D or vitamin D and K2 together because you're deficient. That's not going to hurt anything. Uh, you mentioned omega threes. Not going to hurt anything. You might have been prescribed something, another fat, like a phosphatidylcholine or phospholipid mixture, uh, because you're dealing with uh, maybe some neurological healing or uh, some other, you know, some other reason for that or your heart, et cetera, that's going to be a lot like an omega, where, oh, it's not an omega oil. It's an oil. It goes into feeding your cells, but it's not going to, you know, the hyperbaric effect is going to be neutral with something like that. Um, it's when you get to um, supplements, you know, that are sort of beyond the average. So I kind of look at if you're if you're eating a reasonably good diet, And you're taking, say, a multivitamin mineral. Those are dosed in such a way where it's sort of like just supplementing what you're, that's not going to push you one way or the other. But if on the other hand, you're doing all of that, and then you, you know, you sit down and you um, add into that, you know, big high doses of vitamin C, you know, even though you can only absorb so much orally, you can absorb quite a bit orally. you know, Uh, you know, it's like, so vitamin C, you might want to ask about that before you do that. Um, but like your multivitamin, multimineral, that's going to be fine. Your fat, fatty things generally. Um, and uh, and some people, for example, take a fat-soluble vitamin, vitamin E, like Edward. Um, even though that kind of has a hand in a little bit of antioxidant effect, it, it's more neutral because it's feeding the cell and the membranes. It's not really floating around like glutathione miners. Um, so, yeah, I, I would look at it as the more stable uh The thing is, and or the more it's just required because you're deficient in something, it's be just fine.
0: So I think in this uh, case, you better be safe than sorry, or at least understand what are you doing. Uh, For somebody who's using hyperbaric chamber at home, I mean, nowadays there are patients who in some ways are more knowledgeable than their physicians, or at least some of the physicians. So if you're one of um, those people, and you're really researching every supplement that you're taking and the effect it can have on your body and also understanding the mechanisms of hyperbarics, um, that's fine. But if it's something maybe that you don't want to dive in, And then I think it's really wise, as you said, Paul, to consult with a practitioner. Although I always encourage to consult with a practitioner, at least initial consultation to get the protocol, to get the understanding. We talked about it before. It's impossible to treat yourself, even if you are, I don't know, the best uh, physician in the world. You won't be objective enough.
1: Yeah, you, you need someone else's eyes looking at you sometimes, right? Uh, yeah. And 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 I, I think to your first point, um, that is a frustration with patients uh, who have really, you know, maybe they've been involved in doing home hyperbaric for a long time, and they've really dove in and they understand it. And this is why I keep saying, you know, you should consult some, a practitioner who knows about hyperbaric because if a practitioner doesn't know about hyperbaric they might understand the mechanics of it but these subtleties everything we talked about prior to this moment none of that subtlety will they understand because they they don't need to it's like that, well I don't do hyperbaric so why would I do that you know um and so they might they might give you the right answer just because they know the mechanics of hyperbaric but also uh It's not uncommon for me in a teaching situation with physicians to have them, and they do IVs. Like we talked about a lot of people do IVs, not as many people do hyperbaric. And they'll have very uh, interesting misunderstandings about hyperbaric. You know, it's like they know one piece of the picture. And so they say, well, hyperbaric does this. And it's like, well, it does that, but it also does these other things too. You know, it's, it's not just doing that. So if you base all your advice around that, you're going to miss the boat on a bunch of things that hyperbaric does. So I, I do think, and and I know it's frustrating because there aren't as many hyperbaric, you know, aware providers, but there's more all the time. Uh, and and now with, you know, this, the world of uh, uh, the telemedicine and Zoom calls and things, we can find people easier online. Uh, and like you say, you know, it's, it. I mean, depending on what's going on, get a baseline with someone who's not you. You know to say let's put this together give it a try then if things change or you 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 know you want to experiment with your supplements or you get a fresh injury or whatever let's talk again because your your body is different now and I, i just think that's wise
0: i agree i agree i i you know thank you for this conversation really because some of what we said might be controversial in a way or it might not some people might not want to want to see it that way. But um, even though those are supplements and they're called nutraceuticals and they're pharmaceuticals, which are way better controlled, right? In a way how they're dispensed. But yeah. still with supplements, you can do harm. You can misuse the supplements. Um, by combining the wrong supplements together, you might produce effects that you, know, that you were not looking for. It's almost like being in a chemistry lab and experimenting with all this nice tinctures and liquids and then all of a sudden everything explodes. So uh, I'm really glad we brought this up. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not a benign thing. You really need to know how to yeah. use it. And there are many practitioners, Paul, like you said, there's so many practitioners who understand it. So for people who are listening, I really want to encourage you, if, um, if you're hesitant, if you're not sure, uh, get a consultation, understand those things. It's like it's like going to a lawyer because we don't know the laws that well. So we're going to consult with a person who does know the laws and they can give us advice. Why does it have to be different with medicine? Uh medicine is even more important i don't know if you break the law you might end up in jail but if you break <laughs> medicine rules you might end up, uh, you might end
1: up sick. Yeah,
0: down there or worse
1: yes yeah, yeah, or yeah. Worse
0: yeah. or worse excellent paul thank you for this conversation i always always love talking to you i always learn so much uh from you and i hope listeners also appreciate your knowledge and um experience and expertise and all that comes with it and your willingness to share with the world what you know and what you understand because a lot of it also comes from intuition so it's a combination of everything guys if you enjoyed this episode please give us likes they will help other people see this information and if you know someone who might benefit from this information, please send them a link to this episode. And uh, Dr. Paul Anderson's details will be in the podcast description as always.